Welcome to the Seahawkers podcast, your Seattle Seahawks podcast by 12s for 12s with your hosts, Adam Emmert. You know what you do when life gives you lemons? You don't make lemonade. You kick life in the balls and you demand it gives you something better like bacon. Bacon's delicious. And Brandon Schultz. If you want to put your money toward helping this team win, buy a ticket to the game on Sunday and bring your adult voice and scream your adult brains out. That will make 10 times more the difference. Go Hawks! Be on a quest to own the West. Yippee-ki-yay, make the ground shake. On game day 12-10, yay, feeling it is vital. The Seahawks coming to take division titles. We are Coach Carroll because he's in. I'm in. We all in. This is the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Joining me, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. I was sitting down today. I was a little bored and because uh, it's been pouring buckets here in Montana. And I, I got to thinking about the quarterbacks in this draft. And, man, I just wanted to talk about it. And I know this wasn't something we'd scheduled, but we're going to put out a show for you guys because uh, we just we just wanted to talk a little. Everybody loves talking quarterbacks. Everybody likes talk talking quarterbacks. quarterbacks. We're going to talk quarterbacks today. Of course, uh, we have news, too, that Brandon Browner rejoining the Seahawks, and that's the, the big piece of Seahawks news mm-hmm. uh, just from this past week. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But see, I, I wasn't sure if you want to talk quarterbacks, Adam, or if you just wanted to put out another show as we as we stump for our listeners to help support us for podcast awards. Uh, they can go to <laughs> podcastawards.com, Adam, and uh, and nominate the Seahawkers podcast. We're doing this entire show just so you could say that. <laughs> just right, well, right at the beginning. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, get it out it, there right away. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, anybody who uh, who does that for us, that'd be very cool. We'd like to maybe try to win an award. That'd be kind of neat. But uh, I know a few people have actually gone out and nominated us. It's yeah. a pretty simple process, and I Adam, appreciate them for doing it. We even had a Green Bay Packers fan nominate us uh, for the podcast wow. awards. Yeah, uh, Chad in Port Angeles. Uh, Cactus okay. Phoenix on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> he's very regionally confused. He's a Packers fan. He lives in Port Angeles, and he's talking about being a Phoenix cactus. I know. It's, it's yeah. It's a very okay. uh, yeah. I wonder. He's a cool dude. I wonder if you were to triangulate those positions uh, where on the map. Oh, um, maybe that's where he really lives. Right. <laughs> maybe crack the code. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but Chad says, even though I am a Green Bay Packers fan, uh, he, he says Seahawks are a second favorite. I nominated your podcast on the podcastawards.com website. So thanks, Chad, from Port Angeles. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate that a ton. And, uh, you know, for being one of those types of fans that even though the the Hawks and the Packers have gone back and forth a little bit and it's mm-hmm. been a little been a little bit, you know, a little bit rough, you know, you still don't have to hate, you know, both franchises. Like, I don't hate Green Bay. No, I don't hate Green Bay. No. They, they, they have they have a fine team. They do. They absolutely do. They have a they have a really great quarterback actually that came from Cal, right? And uh, oh, we got some Cal quarterbacks to talk at them. Oh, well, at least one. And, and I want to Cal. I want to talk a little bit about a Cal running back too. Then I, I posted his profile up on the Facebook page here, uh, and he's a, he's kind of an interesting guy. Um, I haven't been on the Facebook in a long time, so like, uh, yeah. I, well, I, each I day this that. week, Adam, I'm I have at least one player that I'm going to profile, uh, just to just kind of throw out the name cool. to have folks kind of have a look at leading up to the draft. Guys that I find interesting, anyway, and that I've been looking at, even though they may not end up with the Seahawks, just interesting guys. 
Right. And I think that's kind of the point of uh, the conversation today, talking about the quarterbacks in the draft. I mean, Seahawks, realistically, probably not picking up quarterbacks. I mean, maybe they will. They they say they're always after quarterbacks, but we obviously have our franchise guy. If you go back historically, one quarterback taken uh, in the in the entire Pete Carroll, John Schneider era in the draft, you know, they've, the draft. they've gotten B.J. Daniels and they've they've looked at guys, undrafted free agents. Sure. But never picked up anybody except for one Russell Carrington Wilson. That's exactly right. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks in the draft this year, because, Brandon, I like to be on record about who I think is going to be good and who I think is going to stink. And uh, because I point about this. Yeah, this is this is one of the things when uh, we started the podcast. It was just a year too late. Because I remember being like, just before anybody was talking about it, I was like, I want Russell Wilson or I want Brock Osweiler. And I know they're wildly different players, but <laughs> those were the two guys that I thought could really be good that were later round draft picks it, that, that we'd have a legitimate opportunity to pick up. And I, those are the guys I, that I really wish I'd been on record before you know the whole Russell Wilson thing blew up because I was stumping for it early. And so that's kind of the point of, of today. Well, and then also, too, like, I mean, through the podcast over the years, I mean, I was on Teddy Bridgewater, you know, I'm on Mariota. Like, and there's, yeah, I said Manziel was going to stink. Right. And uh, he stinks. And look, look, that's that's the whole point. I I like it and out there. And then also too, if I'm wrong, it gives you guys ammo to to make fun of me. So, if you're wrong, if yeah. you're wrong, which is a big if because I've been pretty right on the quarterbacks the last. Actually, few years you have. You have. So let's see. Let's get you on record, Adam, and let's talk a little bit about these quarterbacks in the draft because there's two in particular, and one of the reasons why this conversation is kind of interesting is because now the Seahawks NFC West division rival. The, the the Los Angeles Rams. There it is. Yeah, think job. about it a little bit. Los you Angeles yourself. Rams. Good job. <laughs> they they traded up and they now have the number one pick and they have the top two quarterbacks, the, the consensus top two, right? Because there's mm-hmm. quite a few quarterbacks. You know, coming into this into this year, it, it looked like Paxton Lynch was going to be kind of the top guy, but then he was surpassed by Jared Goff and uh, Carson Wentz. And those two guys now are projected to be the top two quarterbacks. So between those guys, who do you like for our NFC West rival, Adam? Well, I think you and I both agree. I, I think there's one guy that's NFL ready in this entire draft yeah. that's, that can go in and he could actually start week one and he could be at least a serviceable rookie quarterback. And I, I think it's Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And w- when I look at some of the other, I kind of classify the quarterbacks in uh, two ways. One, you can play or you can't play. And I, I think there's only one guy that can play immediately and be effective, and that's Goff. And that's why I think the Los Angeles Rams will take him. The The way that when I'm looking at quarterbacks, uh, it, it's funny because all the draft nicks get so caught up in measurables, right? Oh, yeah. And the most important position on the field is least defined by the measurables, and that's quarterbacks. Well, Tom Brady I, fell to the sixth round famously, right? Absolutely. Russell Wilson, you know, everybody passed on him a couple times until the third round because he, he's so short. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, everybody gets so big on these measurables. Russell had the accuracy, and, you know, he has speed, and accuracy and is a big smarts. part of it, right? And he's smart. And he's smart. And see, the way when I'm looking at quarterbacks and I'm evaluating them uh, coming out of college, first thing I look at 
is for smarts. Mm -hmm. And that's being able to manage the team well when you're out on the field, manage a press well when you're off the field, uh, make good decisions with the ball, make good decisions with your body. Look at how the difference between RG3 and Russell Wilson in getting hurt, making good decisions with your body to protect the team. And if you're smart, that generally leads to good anticipation, which generally leads to good accuracy, which I think is the number one physical trait that you look for in a quarterback is accuracy. And then after that, it's character. And then lastly, to me, in today's NFL, it's mobility. Mm -hmm. And when I look at Jared Goff, he's obviously got the brains. He makes multiple reads in his offense. He's he's very accurate. He completed 64% of his balls uh, this last year. And he's also got the size uh, to go along with it, 6'4", 210. Now, people say he's a little too skinny. I don't think that matters. Doesn't seem to get injured a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a sizist when it comes to quarterback like all of these <laughs> draft experts are. I, I, I don't judge quarterbacks by their size. Just because Carson Wentz is you know 6'6 and 230, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that he's a prototypical quarterback just because he has a size. The other thing that drives me nuts is these draft guys talk about system. They're like, oh, he only plays in a, you know, a spread system or a, a pro-style system. or like, It doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. It, that's just it. When four or five dudes run out in a pattern, does he sit back in the pocket and look over those four or five guys, pick the one that's open and throw the ball to him on time and in rhythm? Mm-hmm. I don't give a crap what system you're in. Yeah. Like, your numbers may be inflated, all that. But just that is what I look at. And I think Jared Goff checks off all of those things uh, to me. I, I, he When he throws, he throws guys open. He hits them in stride. There's a difference between completing the, the pass and completing the pass to them in stride where you're throwing them open and throwing them to open space so that they can you know go down the field. And I think Goff is, the, is out of Goff and Wentz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the guy that does that best in this draft. Yeah, I think to me he is the top quarterback in the draft. Now you talk about measurables, and really that's where Wentz kind of he kind of blows Goff out of the water in terms of his his measurables. Looking at you know, last year leading up to the draft, we had uh, uh, Zach Whitman uh, from Three Sigma Athlete dot com on the show, and you go to his website and he has the Spark ratings right for all mm-hmm. the quarterbacks, all the wide every position, and based off of their pro day scores, their combine scores. Uh, they're different measurables that allow you to compare the athleticism of a guy uh, based on his size and, and a lot of other factors and the and the speed that he runs through drills and and those mm-hmm. types of things and it all factors into their spark score right and Carson Wentz he's he's up in the top ten of all quarterbacks uh, number eight overall and Jared Goff down like around number fifty so absolutely yeah I mean Wentz is a great athlete no doubt. Right. And so I think that's where you look at the size, you look and he has ability, right? You look at the you talk about accuracy. They're pretty close in completion percentage, right? There that's when I'm talking about a completion in a completion and throwing a guy open. Yeah. This is where it kind of makes a difference where the numbers are a little deceiving. Oh, yeah. Well, and that has to do a little bit with the type of competition the two quarterbacks played against, right? Because obviously Goff playing in the Pac-12 playing against far superior talent than than Paxton Lynch was playing in in FCS um or Wentz yeah or Carson yeah Carson Wentz yeah. in FCS so at North Dakota State uh different level of competition to be sure 
Oh, it absolutely is. And even at that lesser stage of competition, Wentz's completion percentage is slightly lower. It's about 62%. And the thing I noticed when I looked at his tape, and again, we've said this in nauseam. When I looked at tape, I looked at his YouTube videos. In mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> kind of the process that I went through when I looked at these guys, I, obviously we didn't read a lot about all these quarterbacks beforehand and all that. I mean, you couldn't escape some of the Goff and Wentz stuff. But first thing I did is I'd go and I'd look at uh, somebody who had cut up an entire game of just all their throws. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go back and look at a highlight reel. And then I'd go look at their stats to see if what I was seeing matches up with their stats. And sure. So uh, the one thing about Goff that uh, that kind of alarmed me a little bit, he, he doesn't throw a great deep ball. Okay. Um, and I, I kind of feel like his that's ceiling fine. is... that's fine. That's Alex Smith, right? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like his ceiling, if he reaches his full potential, is about Matt Ryan. Okay. I, I don't know that he's a, you know... A, Matt Ryan's a, an ever okay deep be ball a, thrower, but... Uh... Right, but I mean, overall, their their skill sets are fairly similar. Sure. Okay. Uh, and they, they kind of play the game the same way. Now, Wentz, to me, when, when I looked at all of his tape, uh, sure, he would complete the ball, but instead of the guy being able to catch it in stride, he's having to stop or maybe even turn jump and turn around and, and, and stop himself completely in wide open space. Wentz had these huge windows to throw the ball through for the for the most part, and he still couldn't. He wasn't as pinpoint mm. as as Goff was, and that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. He he's got an absolute hose. I mean, uh, of an arm. Don't oh, yeah, get me you wrong. wouldn't be talking about him as the number two, you know, top one or two guys if he. He's not my top. He's not my top two guys. No, he's number I, five for me. Okay, but but yeah, I I, to, I just. I think he could be a good pro, but he needs some time mm-hmm. and he needs some seasoning to sit behind uh, an experienced quarterback because the speed of the game in the NFL is going to be completely different than the FCS. And guys from the FCS have come in and played well, oh, sure. Romo or Flacco or things like that. Yeah. But think Romo sat for a while, right? Yeah, he wasn't. Even, was he even drafted? Was he even no, drafted? He was guy? undrafted. Yeah. So and Flacco was drafted high, but it, it, we've kind of seen what he is too. I mean, he's got a big arm, mm-hmm. but a little inconsistent and sure. He's won a super bowl. I'm, I'm not trying to take away from him, but you know, it's, it's hard for those guys. And I think once is going to need some time to develop behind somebody. And I think a lot of somebody people like fall- Sam Bradford, look, man, I, <laughs> it, Bradford's going to be gone. I think he's going to demand his way out of there. Yeah. And so I hope they're comfortable starting chase Daniel. If they're going to draft Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. They, that, they, Philly found themselves in an interesting situation, didn't they? And we haven't talked about this yet either. This trade, no. Adam, this was a baffling trade, right, by Philadelphia to to just throw all those draft picks to, to the Browns and for the Browns to take that offer. That's very un-Browns of them uh, to take a bunch of draft picks and, and smartly move back, right? I don't. I don't know that it's smartly moved. I, I think this was a lose-lose trade. Really? If if you ask me. Because you you look at the Eagles, they've already spent a bunch of money on Bradford. Yeah. They spent a, quite a bit of money on Chase Daniel. Mm-hmm. And now they, what did they give away? Their first from this year, like a third and a fourth, and then a first next year, and like another third. I mean, they gave up a crap ton of picks to move up just a few slots. What was it, from 11? I think to, from 8th. 8th, Okay. So, from so that's the two, thing about the Browns. They don't move down that far. I think they can still get a pretty talented player at number eight. They can get a talented player, but anybody, you know, some of the quote-unquote top guys, I mean, they're going to be gone on the first two picks, right? So they're not going to be getting one of those guys. So you're rolling with RG3 now and hoping maybe that you hit on a quarterback later on in the draft, which is possible. But really for the Browns, what you just did, 
you just did the Rams trade from a few years ago for RG3. You are now the Rams. You're going to be 8-8 eight and eight for the next, like, five years, and that's purgatory. That's the worst place to be. That'll win you the NFC East, Adam. <laughs> win you the <laughs> NFC East, and it'll win you the, you know, 21st pick in the draft every single year. Sure. You know, I mean, you're never going to get to that franchise guy when there's a good crop of quarterbacks that comes out. I think this kind of this crop is relatively weak overall. Mm-hmm. But um, so – I think it's kind of a lose for uh, the Browns in that sense. And then I also feel like it's a loss for Philly because the guy they're gunning for is obviously going to be Wentz. And look, when I looked at the way that he plays, his decision-making alarms me. Uh, he threw, he throws into some really bad double coverage, especially down the middle of the field, a lot. I mean, it's something he does with consistency. He threw 14 picks last year. Yeah. 14. And he, he barely played. He broke his wrist. Mm. The team still made it to the national championship game without him. So it's not like that team was just a product of his great play. He was a product of being around a great team for his division. He also, everybody's enamored with his running ability. Mm-hmm. He's not going to run away from dudes in the NFL. I mean, he's fast, but he's not that fast. He's yeah. like four eight or something like that. Like, he's mobile, but he's not going to be... Kaepernick, where he's you know beating the Packers just by his feet in a playoff game. That's yeah. never going to be who he is. And he also has some ball security issues when he's running. Man, he's a fumble machine. I think Wentz is going to be a bit of a turnover machine. Isn't I'm it? not saying he's dumb because he's obviously a very smart guy, yeah. gets straight A's and all that. But he's a bad decision maker. I I am not high on Wentz right out of the gate. He's going to need some time. Yeah, I think I think we're both leaning to toward uh, hoping. The the Rams take Wentz at number one, and <laughs> although seeing either one of those guys week two, uh, they're going to be very uh, you know think about what Russell Wilson even as as great as he's become over the years that second the, the whole what first six eight games of this first season with you know was until the Bears game yeah exactly till until it turned on and he was a very polished product coming out of college right and Wentz has only started twenty three times in his career yeah. I yeah. mean, it is look, interesting I, that he's going so high, but uh, I am rooting for him. He's from North Dakota in a small school and he seems like a good dude. Like I'm rooting for him. Unless he goes to the Rams. <laughs> I just think all these draft guys have completely fallen in love with a guy that just shows out at the combine. Sure. And has a nice pro day. Johnny Manziel had an amazing pro day. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, and he Teddy put Bridgewater on had a terrible one. <laughs> he put the on worst a- one ever. Johnny Manziel put on a show for his pro day. Remember, everybody was talking because he, I think, because he, he wore, wore a helmet. helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. How did that work show. out for you? <laughs> right. So it, I, I want mean, to talk good. a little bit about these guys, too, and how they relate, because I think there are some potential guys that we like for the Seahawks, too, Adam. But uh, yeah, you talked about having your top five. Who who are your top five? All right, man. This is this is going to be blasphemy. People are going to kill me on this. But I've okay. got Goff one. Okay. We've got a kid named Brandon Allen out of Arkansas as my number two guy. Oh, interesting. I had not heard that name. And I have Russell Wilson minus in Vernon Adams out of Oregon uh-huh. as my as my third rated passer. Interesting. I have, yeah. I have Dak Prescott as my fourth rated uh, prospect coming out of the draft, and Carson Wentz is five. So where's Paxton Lynch on this list? Paxton Lynch can't play. No? He's in my group of guys that can't play. Wow. So I, I talked earlier about the idea that I hate it when people like say, "Oh, he plays in a system, and so he can't he can't play in the NFL." So he plays in kind of that zone read system, right? And that's fine. That that doesn't bother me. But when you watch him play, he is absolutely Colin Kaepernick, except for a little less accurate 
on top of that, oh, that's he nice. stares down his one receiver every single play, uh-huh. and he he's he's absolutely awful that way. Now his completion percentage was sixty six point eight, but that's because every other play was a bubble screen. <laughs> Like, I'm not even joking. The dude has a cannon of an arm, but he cannot see the field. He is a one-read wonder. And this is the, this guy is the biggest joke show of a prospect out of all of these guys that people are talking about as being a potential franchise guy. This guy can't play. He absolutely can't play. He's going to be a complete bust in the NFL. Okay, so we hope he goes to the 49ers. Yeah, no, he'd be a great fit there for Chip. Yeah, but uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really down on him. I mean, he is a good athlete; he can move well and all that. But the first thing you need to be able to do as a quarterback is throw it well. Yeah, and the thing is, is when he's not throwing bubble screens and he misses, he misses horribly. It's Tim Tebow bad. Wow, like it's really bad. His accuracy is putrid. I can't understand what the draft guys see in him. I really don't. Measurables, I, I don't Adam. Get it. Measurables. He probably has short area quickness, too. Well, he's 6'7 and 244, so everybody's like, oh, he's big. He must be good. No, big doesn't equal good. Right. I mean, when are we ever going to figure that out? Well, Kaepernick did stare his receivers down all the way to a Super Bowl and to an NFC championship, so it it did get him somewhere for a a short period of time. Well, yeah, because they didn't have any tape on him when he went to the Super Bowl. He took over for Alex Smith. Mm -hmm. So, look... Once the NFL had a little bit of tape on him, look how quickly that went downhill. Paxton Lynch will be a gigantic bust. Another guy who can't play that everybody's talking about as being one of the top guys, Connor Cook from Michigan State. Mm. 56% completion percentage. He sprays the ball all over the field. He can't move. And apparently he has terrible leadership. Like They, they wouldn't even vote him a team captain. He has the most wins in Michigan State history. Wow. And they, they wouldn't even make him a team captain. He stares down receivers. He's wildly inconsistent. And again, another guy who's big and looks like a prototypical quarterback, 6'4", 220. Cutter Cook can't play, and he won't play. He's Drew Stanton less. And we all saw the joke show that is Drew Stanton as the Cardinals' backup quarterback. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yes, we did. <laughs> can't play. Can't play. Other guy, The last guy that I think flat-out can't play that's being talked about as a, as a big-time prospect, Christian Hackenberg. Okay. Can't play. Yeah, Penn State. They, they, Talk about inaccurate. 53%. This is in college. Yeah. 53%. Yeah. That's but, that's putrid. But 6'4", like, 225, we, though, Adam. Oh, and he plays in a pro-style offense. Yeah. Well, he plays like catfish in a pro-style <laughs> offense. That doesn't. That's not going to work. He, he, he doesn't move in the pocket well. He's wildly inconsistent. He's never in his career, even when he was under Bill O'Brien, when everybody was singing his praises, never completed above 59% of his, of his passes. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring all this up, Adam, because I've often said this. You know, we talked about wide receivers in the past, too, and a lot of people look for wide receiver size. And it, because you want a guy like Randy Moss or a guy like Calvin Johnson, you want that prototypical size. Mm-hmm. But the one really important thing in a wide receiver is that they can catch the ball, right? Chris exactly. Matthews is is one big example. You know, he had the great Super Bowl, but yeah. if you can't if you can't get open and catch the ball, uh, you know, what, what are you good doing does, out yeah, there? what good does it do? You, I'd rather have Tyler Lockett who can get open and catch the ball and is 5'10". It, this is why this is why I can't understand why people are so wrong about quarterbacks when they when they just just look. Mm-hmm. Can they play or can't they play? I mean, it, 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 it's I tell you what, when I when I put on Cook and Lynch and Hackenberg, 
it took me all of two minutes. And I watched quite a bit of their stuff, but it took me two minutes. And I was like, and this is before I looked at the stats. I was like, God, these guys can't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> and then you look up their completion percentage, and you're like, oh, I guess <laughs> they really can't. <laughs> I guess they really can't. It, and these are supposedly their good games. You know what I'm saying? Right, because like, you're watching the highlight reels. Yeah, and that's... To me, that that's amazing, and then especially the full games where they're showing their misses too. You can tell a lot about a dude's misses, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's one thing if you miss the guy, but it's another thing if you sail it by five yards past him. I mean, that's almost a pick every time in the NFL. Like it, you just can't get away with that. And so that kind of brings me to my number two guy in Brandon Allen from Arkansas, six one two twenty. Guess who? Else? Well, he's he's six six one and a half or six two. People yeah. have been you know it, the measurements are always a little different. It right? looks like he's on the low end of six one, but yeah. You know. How tall is Aaron Rodgers? Uh, probably about that, right? He's not. He's six not two. Okay, yeah, he's not super. Did tall you ever guy. think of Aaron Rodgers as short when he's been playing? No, that he couldn't see. No, that's that, that's the interesting thing about quarterback height, right? Is that you know you put all these six 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 seven guys in front of him, but yet what other than Brock Osweiler? Who who really is above their their offensive line? The stands right. above them, right? Right. Anybody? Russell Wilson played behind the biggest offensive line in college at Wisconsin. Yeah, and still managed to see the receivers somehow. Yeah. Now it, look, Derek Carr, six two two fourteen. Yeah, he's not. Did anybody say he was too small no. to play? Is he pretty good? He's pretty good. I think he is. He turned out to be pretty good. So Brandon Allen, 6'2", 210, he's right in that same thing. Big knock on him is, quote-unquote, small hands. This is one of the dumbest freaking things. Under nine-inch hands. Oh, yeah, he's eight and seven-eighths. Oh, my. (laughs) That eighth-inch difference between his pinky and his thumb means he can't throw the ball. Unless you turn on his game tape and you look at it and you say, oh, look, he throws the ball. Not only does he throw the ball, but he throws it with anticipation. He throws it with zip. He plays in a pro-style system. He's kind of sneaky fast. He's, he's, he's incredibly mobile. He's got great pocket presence. He'll take a shot in the chest in the pocket and deliver the ball. And he's a four-year, a four-year starter. Yeah. And he's steadily gotten better every single year. Completed about 66% of his passes this year. This guy... He throws with such great anticipation. That is one thing that I saw. I really think that he his ceiling is a lot like Rich Gannon. He looks a lot like Rich Gannon when he mm. plays. And I, I just think I think for a guy that's projected to go in the fourth to sixth round or maybe even undrafted, mm-hmm. that's a guy you could pick up if say if you're the Denver Broncos and you're in quarterback hell like you are right now, right. this guy would fit so well in that system. He's smart, mm-hmm. he's accurate, he's 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 a gamer. I really like he's he's the second most NFL ready thrower I saw out of the guys that I looked at. But small hands, as it turns out, and you know what? An eighth of an inch. Jared Goff has nine inch hands, and he's you know going to be the number one pick probably. Right. So it's and an eighth of an that, inch. Derek Carr has nine inch and one eighth hands. Yeah. So that's that's what that's a quarter of an inch difference yeah. between Brandon Allen and Derek Carr. Does Derek Carr have a problem throwing the football? No. No. Does Teddy Bridgewater have a problem throwing the football? No. no. He just well, wears the glove. Well, Mariucci said it best, right? It's not the hand size that's a, a huge difference. It's hand strength that's that's the issue, right? If you have strong hands, it doesn't matter if the size is on the small end. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. Now, I measured my hand today just to kind of check. Oh. And I, it's the exact same as Brandon Allen. Uh-huh. And look, Jared has bigger palms than I do. And when we're throwing the football, it's definitely slightly easier for him sure. 
to to throw the ball with with big hands. I, I no doubt about it. But it's just like being a little shorter. If you find a way around that, uh-huh. if you've learned to adapt to it, you've lived your whole life with a, with an eight and seven eighths inch hand. <laughs> Then you're going to throw the ball fine, and he really does. I think he's going to be a guy that that can be a mid tier starter in this league for a number of years. I, I like Brandon Allen a lot. Do you like him as a Seahawks quarterback? He he won't be there for us. No, you said no. potentially late rounds though. Yeah, because the guy that we're going to get is an undrafted free agent. Okay, who's going to be our next uh, backup quarterback is Vernon Adams out of Oregon. You know, it, it's interesting that you talk about Vernon Adams, uh, Adam, because and he's number three on my list, by the way, number three on your list conveniently. And also, uh, where's the it, number three, but also a very similar story in terms of now, here's the interesting thing about Vernon Adams. And did you know that he went to Eastern Washington, Adam, that he was an Eagle before going to Oregon? And that's what makes that's what surprises me that you would actually have him on your list as a as a former Eastern Washington Eagle. Well, he did see the light and leave. <laughs> uh, so, so he has that uh, going for him. Uh, so he has that going for him. But you're right about the parallels between his story and Russell Wilson's story is very similar. Right. Play at one college for uh, three years, transfer to another big time school. And really show out and show your talents. And everybody tells you all day long, you're too short, you're too short, you're too short. Yeah. Yet both of them led the league, led college football in passing efficiency yeah. their last year. Yeah. And what, hmm. what was Adam's interception rate? Like, what, six picks? It, it was single-digit picks, right? It, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was six picks. Yeah. And, yeah, his interception rate was low. He was the led the league in passer efficiency. And the thing is, is he broke his right index finger in the first game or the second game of the year at Michigan State. Ended up missing a couple games. Mm-hmm. And he struggled a little bit. It was his first year in the Oregon system. Yeah. He picks up the new system. He breaks the, the index finger on his throwing hand. And yet, still leads the Ducks all the way to a bowl game, has them up 28 to nothing until some guy takes a cheap shot in the head on him and knocks him out of the game. Mm. And they end up losing the game after Vernon Adams goes out. They didn't score another point. Yeah. That shows you this guy's leadership. Now, he's 5'11", yeah, but he's 200 pounds, too. He's built just like Russell. Yeah. He looks a lot like Russell when he plays. He doesn't have quite as strong of an arm. He doesn't throw quite as tight as a ball. But he is accurate, and he has great touch on his deep throws. He throws a semi-sexy deep ball, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I, I could see that. He's tough as nails, and the thing is, it's underrated, is he does throw well from the pocket. Every little guy that runs around a little bit and shows some magic, oh, well, then he obviously can't throw from the pocket. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe you ought to watch and see if he can. Yeah. And he can. If you want, if you want a reason why I like Vernon Adams better than Carson Wentz, which I know sounds like blasphemy and everybody's going to kill me about that. But just look at the senior bowl where Carson Wentz played uh-huh. and he was so, so, I mean, he was, he made one nice throw uh-huh. and you look at Vernon Adams at the East West shrine game a week before he goes out there and lights it up, throws three touchdowns, like just tears the field up and throws a, makes one beautiful throw on a touchdown where he moves the safety with his eyes and throws a dart right from the pocket. And then you got Mayock going, oh, wow, look at that. He can throw from the pocket and he moved the guys around. <laughs> yeah, because he's a heck of a quarterback. This guy can really play, and somehow, somehow, this guy is going to go undrafted. You know what or going to be drafted though? in the sixth or seven. What? He's six inches shorter than, uh, than Wentz. Right, but yet produced at a high level, 
completed 65% of his passes. He's accurate. He's smart. He's mobile. He's everything that you need the modern-day NFL quarterback to be. And he's going to get passed on because of all the sizes in the NFL. That's totally what's going to happen. Plus, they say system and size when it comes to him, right? Because everybody kills the Oregon system. Yeah. Mariota came out last year. How'd he do? He did all right. Yeah. He played pretty well, I think, for yeah. a rookie but yeah. on a putrid team. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like Vernon Adams. I think he'll be your next backup quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks as an undrafted free agent. If he goes undrafted, who do the, who beats us at un, uh, uh, undrafted free agents? Nobody. Nobody. They go after those guys. They we kick ass at that. <laughs> yeah. So I I really like uh, Vernon Adams. I think he's undersold because he's he's a sub six foot quarterback. Another guy you said uh, that you wouldn't mind as a Seahawk, Dak Prescott. I like Dak Prescott a lot. But he's not going to be a Seahawks. Somebody's going to snatch him up about third round or so. Second, third round would be my guess. Yeah. He, the starter at Mississippi State. Had them ranked number one last year at one point. Look, this guy, and not only that, but he's 6'2 and 230. Yeah, he has the size. I mean, he has Aaron Rodgers size. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. He's a big boy, and he runs hard. I mean, everything that you like about Wentz as a runner, Dak Prescott is every bit of that, but yet produced in the SEC. Right. He, he really played He really played ball. And the thing is, is his throwing motion's a little funky. It's a little low. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it looks a lot like Teddy, to be honest. Okay. But he's really accurate. He completed 66% of his passes last right. year. Right. 60, that's a lot of accuracy. How, how do the, uh, the draft scouts, how do they overlook accuracy? I don't know. It's the <laughs> stat. It is the stat. It is the quality. Accuracy. Right. Like, think about it. Chad Pennington, did he have a good arm? No. No, he had, like, I had a better arm than Chad (laughs) Pennington after he tore his shoulder up the first two times. Yeah. And yet he still was an effective NFL quarterback because he had great accuracy and he had great anticipation, great smarts, great reads, great decision making. That's what a great quarterback is. A lot of these guys get better with arm strength as they work in the NFL. But, Accuracy, you can't just inherently teach. You either have it or you don't. That's why Lynch can't play. That's why Connor Cook can't play. That's why Hackenberg can't play. They don't have it. Yeah, it doesn't they seem don't. like a thing that really improves over time. You don't see an NFL player come into the or a college player come into the NFL and get more accurate. Not significantly. Right. Like they can get like look, Russell Wilson's progressed, right? Oh, yeah. In his accuracy. But it's not like you see a ten percent jump in their their completion percentage. No, no, they don't. They don't turn into a different quarterback, you know, I mean, and that's just that's the thing. And a lot of times the completion percentage can be misleading because you could you could be when you miss your throws, you could be missing them by five yards instead of just off the dude's hands or you got a bunch of drops or, you know, something like that. That margin of error in college is there. Right. Whereas in the NFL, you you can't be throwing behind guys or, or way out in front of guys and and without being punished for it in the NFL. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And with Dak Prescott, man, th- this guy does make great throws from the pocket, but he's also really mobile, and he really does throw well on the run as well. Um, he the the thing is is what I've when I looked at all these guys, it's really simple. When you you watch him drop back in the pocket, does their head turn? Does it go from one side of the field to the other? Watch the face mask. Right, they're making is reads. It, are they making reads or are they not making reads? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys don't. And you don't always have to go all the way through your list of. First dude's wide open. You throw him the ball. Right. But Dak Prescott goes through his reads. He's a smart player. And on top of that, he's a super high character dude. Mm-hmm. But people can't talk more highly about this guy. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the arm talent. 
this guy, this guy will be able to play. It's going to take him a year or two to acclimate, mm-hmm. but he will totally be able to play. Man, I, I he'd be a great pickup for a lot of teams that are looking for uh, maybe a not top pick quarterback. He, he can really develop. The thing that got me excited about Dak, Dak Prescott was watching the highlights in his game against Missouri. And just yeah. rain coming down. And that's what gave me kind of that Seattle quarterback feeling, right? You know, the guy just playing in the rain and just a, a like a four touchdown performance against a solid team in Missouri. And uh, yeah, that's that's what got me excited about Dak. Well, the big knock on on him is that he plays in that Tebow offense, right? It's the same offensive coordinator when Tebow is in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap because I, I watch him play. And he's far more accomplished thrower than Tim Tebow mm-hmm. uh, when they came out of the draft. Tim Tebow's gotten better, um, yet still can't get a look. But uh, and Dak Prescott's still better than that, like coming right out. But has the leadership qualities, can run. I'm I'm big on him, man. I, I think he has the potential to really be a quality starter in this league for years. If, if he gets the right – and that's with every one of these guys – if they find the right situation. There's been a lot of good quarterbacks that have gone to catfish situations. Yeah. And have just gone to die. Right. So no, it, there's a little bit it's important. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, that was one of the best things for him, right? Being able to sit behind Brett Favre for a couple of years. Had he yeah. come out right away and maybe got a little bit frustrated. You know, you look at what Derek Carr went through, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he well, had he been able to to sit for a little bit and and develop. Maybe yeah. things would have been different for him. Look, I hope the NFL starts to think about this differently because right now you draft a guy and he's thrown into the fire right away. Or did I say Dave, Derek Carr, David Carr? David Carr. David Carr was the first one. Of. Yeah, was the, yeah. the Texans. Man, and he just took a beating. Yeah. He took a beating and he got David Carr disease. Right. I mean, he really they did. They named the disease after him. It was like yeah. Lou Gehrig disease. He was ground. He was patient zero. Yeah. And it, it, it happened right there. And he's a guy that I think could have been every bit as prolific as his brother has been so far. If in a good situation. Had he gone to a good situation, right. And and this is what I'm saying, too. Like when I talked about Carson Wentz earlier, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust. I think Carson Wentz can play. Mm-hmm. He just He's going to need some time. He's just going to need a fair amount of time. And if he goes to Philly, what is it, week five before the chance start? I mean, how long until they're they're begging for him to be playing? Yeah, that's it's, gonna it's be not going to be good for Zeal. And then who's he going to learn from? Bradford? Yeah, that's the last guy I want him learning from. Right? Bradford's not good. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that that was a little bit about some of the guys. And oh, the, my one wild card guy. Okay. That I have absolutely no idea. You have he could no be idea. Awesome. He could be crap. I have no idea. You have no clue. Okay. I have no clue. But you're interested. You're intrigued I'm, by this I'm player. I'm interested, man. I'm going to be watching this guy. Cardell Jones. Okay. From Ohio State. Oh, right. Yeah. Came in last year, late in the season, leads him to the title, right? Yeah. Has moxie, made big throws and all that, and then couldn't hold on to his job this year. Urban Meyer's kind of like subverting him like in the media. Uh-huh. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know what this guy's going to be, but he, he's a Big, huge dude. He looks like Steve McNair out there playing, man. Uh-huh. And I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. He's intriguing. I, I, I He's just a crapshoot. Yeah, no, it's an interesting story for sure with with Ohio State and, yeah, deciding to come into the draft and after losing his job. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't even know. But. Well, there's one guy that I'm really interested in, Adam, and I, 
I've been looking at running backs because, well, the running back situation in Seattle. Well, we've talked about how Pete Carroll values the run game, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the, it's critical to what the Seahawks do, having a solid run game. Right. And with Marshawn Lynch departing, you know, we clearly have Thomas Rawls in that the guy who is who we want to be the starter. You know, he he showed last year that he can be that starting caliber running back coming off of an injury. I think there's some concerns because you don't know about a player's durability after they if he, if there are going to be lingering issues with a player mm-hmm. that that gets injured in his first season, right? He could come back and he he may not ever have another injury, right? But you just those those concerns are there. So that's where that idea comes from of of should the Seahawks take a running back? And and people have talked about how, you know, Derrick Henry as early as the first round could go to the Seahawks. Well, I don't I don't think they'll go running back that early, but there are a few guys. And, you know, we talked to Rob Staten about how he liked the the running back out of San Jose State, Tyler Irvin. Mm-hmm. There's another guy and comes from Cal like Marshawn Lynch, okay. Daniel Lasco. Uh, is his name oh, and okay. uh, perform talking about measurables. This guy uh, going back to Zach Whitman's three Sigma athlete.com number four out of running backs. Really? Um, so uh, six foot two Oh nine kind of a pretty good size for a running back. Right. And can run a four, four forty. Yeah. I, it's hard to say with him. I, I don't know a lot about him, but the idea of the Seahawks drafting a running back to me, it makes zero sense. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. At me. all in the draft, though? No. It doesn't make any sense to me. Where did Thomas Rawls come from? Oh, he was undrafted from... Ah, yeah. right. It, it, how many of these guys come from undrafted or really late round guys? I mean, they, you can get a running back anywhere. And we have Thomas Rawls. And look, that, that injury he had last year was pretty freaky. That, that, that was... He, that got, was a pretty, he got a, a really big dude up the middle, fell on top of him. In a weird way. Yeah. I mean, how often do you see guys go down like that? Like, that was just, that was odd. He doesn't have an injury history in, in college. I don't worry about him in that way. And just like just like Rawls proved this last year that he could be the, the bell cow, right? I think Kristen Michael, when he came back, showed that he's a legit backup running back. Sure. I think he played well enough to be a, a, a legit backup running back. I think you can find another back just willy nilly anywhere. I mean, I mean, not not poo pooing your guy. I, I just you know, hey, I, I just and I, look, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't get him. It was just kind of one of those guys who I thought was intriguing based off of his athleticism, based on him being a cow bear, you know, replacing yeah. a bear with a bear. And uh, yeah, I, I could just it seems I like, like an interesting guy, but. Uh, they actually, the Seahawks did pick up a running back here recently, Giovanni Ruffin, uh, from let's see, uh, ECU. Oh, what are, what is ECU? <laughs> Eastern, Eastern Car- East Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he came out. Gosh, he was. He did was, they sign him? They did sign him. Yeah. Okay, because I'd read a little bit of the backstory. Apparently, he had been working out with uh, Cam. Yeah. And they're both Virginia guys. Yeah. And. Uh, I guess Cam went to bat for him with uh, with the organization and said, "You need to give this guy a shot." And 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 the kid didn't ask. He didn't ask Cam. He, he said specifically, "I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that." Like Cam's got his own deal. Like I, I didn't want to do that. And he came back to wherever they were working out and said, "Hey, I put my name on the line for you. Yeah, you're going to get your shot." That's interesting. And I went to I went to uh, Ruffin's Twitter account. And he has, I think, it, you know, like a sticky post of him getting baptized. 
And right next to him, Cam Chancellor, like yep. along with the you know the the rest yeah. of his peeps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, I, that's cool. That was interesting to me. It's funny how the world works, man. It's about connections, right? Oh, sure. So yeah, he may be a player right there. That could, might be your third yeah, looking, back right there. Looking at his tape, though, it's really hard to judge because it's like him just kind of walking into the end zone because like he has all his blockers lined up. So uh, oh. it's hard to tell if you know he's just like a bruiser that runs over people because all the highlights that I saw are just him running through wide open holes gotcha. <laughs> in the end zone. So well, it looks good doing that then. <laughs> right, that, that's good. Hey, look, it was tough to – if you would have asked me, is Thomas Rawls the guy that I saw last year based off of what I saw from Central Michigan? It, like, oh, no man. way. I didn't see I well, didn't even see in preseason, right? Burst. I mean, we yeah. didn't see that much from him preseason where you went, wow. You know, not like, not like Kristen Michael where you looked at some of his plays and, and you kind of – you saw the athleticism and the skill. It wasn't until really he got in and playing that Thomas Rawls <laughs> started showing off. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I think you also, Brandon, have identified maybe one of the Seahawks' next offensive linemen, um, only he doesn't play offensive line right now. Because <laughs> we do have a – look at Gary Gilliam. He's converted from what? From tight end hmm. to, le- and, and to right tackle and now to left tackle. Right. And then uh, we got Laquan McGowan. A uh, four hundred pound tight end, Adam, and and Holy this God. highlight reel of his, it, it kind of cracks me up because dude is it's a big dude, and and catching the football and it looks kind of athletic. For, I mean, for a four hundred pound guy to show that kind of athleticism, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Duke can move a bit for a big man. Yeah. He's got good hands. Yeah. Like, I mean, you talked about earlier, like, as, as a wide receiver, like, the number one thing, right? You got to be able to catch the ball. Catch the ball. And he did it. He, he catches the ball really well. Like, he's got good hands. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's he's obviously very athletic to even have entertained the idea of playing tight end at, you know, a major school in Baylor. Right. And so he's kind of projected as a guard uh, coming into the NFL and in terms of athleticism, he kind of, you know, looking at the spark scores, mm-hmm. he he's, you know, an average NFL athleticism for being that size. And that's what it it kind of seems like a a project guard, right? Like uh, just how the Seahawks went out and got the uh, James Carpenter, you know, the the mm-hmm. big dude that's a bruiser that can play left guard that, you know, just as yeah, that big bruising dude. And they, they've never really looked for athleticism at that left guard position. No, and but one thing that they've always looked for, right, is unique skill sets, correct? Yeah. Like, how many times have we heard that? A 400-pound guy that can move like that. 6'6", six, six, 400 pounds. Is that a unique skill set? Is that something that you don't see anywhere else? Yeah. Yeah. That feels like a sea hockey kind of guy, doesn't yeah. it? Don't you don't you see Tom Cable kind of being like, this could be interesting. I don't have to convert this guy from D line. <laughs> yeah, I can just convert him from the end of the line, right? And just bring him in. Yeah. Right. Uh, although, how was he as a blocking tight end? That's what I want to know. Well, looking at his tape, he got in front of guys. I mean, and, and that's about all you have to do when you're that size, right? right? Exactly. I don't know. I, I kinda, it's kind of a fun pick to think about. It's it is interesting, but I mean that's that's why the draft is fun, right? Like you learn about some of these guys that you would never, never ever hear about. No, and it just kind of it puts them on your radar. And I know I'll look just to see where these guys go. Another guy that I'm looking at, and because he showed up at the top of the Spark ratings at Three Sigma Athlete, uh, Moritz Boringer. 
uh, a German wide receiver. And uh, this dude, talk about having the size and the speed, you know, 6'4", 227, and and runs... uh, A 4'4". It is a 4'4", right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. 4'4". I watched an interview with him today. Interesting guy. Uh, They showed a few of his highlights, and he played in the German League over there, right? Yeah. And... It looks like a bunch of dudes like you and me yeah. out there. And he looks like he's just gronking it out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, he does. He just looks like gronk out there. And yeah. I think it's hilarious. But the know? thing is, is that's what you, you look for is a guy that can. Because see, when I first heard about his measurables, right, and being a speed guy and a size guy, I was thinking, well, you know, he played in Germany. He probably can't even catch. But looking at his tape, the dude can catch. And he runs all the routes. Right. Now he needs to work on them, but he can oh, he run did. all sure. the routes. Yeah. So that's the hard thing to project. Where where in the draft is, is this guy going to go? I don't know, man. Because this is the guy that in his uh, hometown, they had a team. And he showed up to, to start because he saw an Adrian Peterson highlight video that came up like as a recommended video on YouTube. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, this is cool sport. And I like the way that guy plays. I'm going <laughs> to check this out. So he goes down to the local team, right, uh-huh. to, to join up. Uh, they had seven guys. Seven. Yeah. So they just practiced for like a, a couple months, and then they went to the town like 25 miles next door and caught on with the team over there. And here he is now wowing scouts in his pro day. And, uh, you know, he seems he's kind of a quirky guy, but I, I'm rooting for him. It'd be cool. Yeah. And I don't understand why a guy like this actually has to go through the draft process. Uh, because he, t- he hasn't like played professionally. Is that, I mean, it's just like the NBA. I mean, they pick European players all the time, right? Sure. And they've even played professionally at that point. Okay. So yeah, it's not it, basically the draft is out of all the people available in the world. This is the guy that I want in the third round with the 22nd pick or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can pick whoever you want. the Seahawks could pick me tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you, have, you don't have any eligible. professional experience, though. You you didn't play in the CFL. Uh, no, I got cut in the seventh grade. <laughs> that's what happened. That's I think that's when I got cut from football too. Uh, now that I think about it, no, no, it was sixth grade. I didn't make it to seventh grade football. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I I did play. I did play. I was starting center seventh year, but that was it. Uh, see, for me, it was um, after I got moved from the the D line to the offensive line. I didn't want to play anymore. Oh, was I, it, want, I wanted to mind? tackle people. Yeah, offensive line isn't as fun. No, it's no. it's not a sexy spot on the on the team it's at not. all. It's not. Although we did have one play, the center pass, like uh, they would they'd run me out in a pattern. It was pretty fun. I'd declare oh. eligible. Yeah, you know how many times we ran it? Once. I hope. I hope once. Yeah, and you know how many times they threw it to me? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but you were out there. I was out there. I was open. You were a decoy. I got separation. Oh, well, it's separation because it was a trick play. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, let's talk about the one really big piece of Seahawks news, Adam, mm-hmm. and that is Brandon Browner, cornerback, yeah. coming on back your, home. On your birthday, they announced the signing of Brandon Browner coming back to the Seahawks. Reuniting the Legion of Boom. Yeah, and look, I, I know a lot of people not excited about this. No, well, I mean, you watched Brandon Browner play last year. Yeah. On a torn MCL for the entire season. Yeah, I didn't know about that until, exactly. until he came to Seattle. I mean, exactly. That, you heard that piece now, of news. Now, so last year he played the entire year on a torn MCL. What did he do the year before that? Oh, he well, he went to the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Yeah, he's a starting corner on a Super Bowl winning team, right? 
I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Well, no, but it, <laughs> them's the facts, right? It's it is a fact that I don't. And he want was to injured the, the all year before, so he's somewhere in between those two players at this point, right? You and think. I I yeah. think if he was fully healthy, he's a lot closer to being a starting corner for a Super Bowl caliber team than the guy who was a penalty machine, and he's always been a penalty machine oh, yeah, to a degree always, because yeah. of his style of play. But um, I'm not saying that he's going to start. But I'm not. He's not the guy that everybody thinks he was from the Saints. That's not who he is. He was injured. Yeah, he couldn't run, and he, he could barely run the start. Here's the thing that excites me about about Brandon Brown or Adam. And you think back to how the Seahawks played against tight ends last year, right? Yeah. What if you had a big guy like Brandon Brown or a big physical corner that you could put on a tight end like Brown? I, I think it'd be awesome. And I also think he brings a degree of nasty. Yeah. To this team. Like between him and Clemens, see, these are two signings. And they may not make the roster at the end of the day. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this could be a lot like the Antoine Winfield signing from a few years back. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, man, this could be cool. Well, if he you, and if Clemens can. both, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so they may not make the team. But if they do, man, those are guys that bring a lot to the locker room. And they bring an edge. And they, they have that champ- championship mentality. I I really like this signing. I think it's great. If we have him behind Lane... And we've got, you know, Burley or whoever else we're going to put in the slot. Or we can put Browner out there when there's a bigger receiver on the outside and, and pop Lane into the to the slot. Man, that okay. defensive backfield is looking really good right now between him and Thurl Simon and just all the dudes. I really like it. I'm excited about signing, especially when you talk about for the money, because he signed for the veteran minimum. Signed for the veteran minimum. He has his salary guaranteed by the Saints. And... Yeah, it's just a low-risk deal. No guaranteed money on the Seahawks' behalf. So if he doesn't make it come week one, the Seahawks don't owe anything. And the best type of player to have on your team is the type of player that wants to be there. Oh, he wanted to be here, too. He wanted to be here so badly. And he's going to do anything to make sure that he stays on this roster. Yeah. I like it, man. I think this is going to be one of those sneaky signings that everybody says, who thought Brandon Browner had anything left in the tank? Yeah. I'm it, I'm excited about it because it does it reunites the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Jeremy Lane. I think he's going to be the guy on the outside. You know, a lot of people talk, talking about whether or not Lane will move inside. No, I think Lane's going to be your outside guy. I like I like Browner as the guy who can you know line up against a big guy kind of on the inside, maybe on a tight end. Mm-hmm. It seems right to me. Yeah, he could absolutely do that. I, I think he'd be great in that role. And getting these enforcer-type guys back from the 2013 season, Chris Clemens, Brandon Browner, those are your guys that are like the just the, the – that have the attitude. and That you know, edge, man, the boom. Yeah, yeah. This, this defense is going to be scary good next year, man. I hope so. Especially I, after they draft a stud defensive lineman or two in this draft and right. move Frank Clark now to linebacker. You know, they – they had him on the depth chart as a linebacker when when the first depth chart came out, and the, apparently there was some confusion there because they moved him back uh, to defensive end. Oh, so he's going to do both. I think he's going to do both. Yeah, that's what that means. <laughs> right. Yeah, but he has. He's cut down on the weight, and uh, he's going to be able to play a little bit of that Bruce Irvin role, no sure. doubt about it. Sure. And, man, he really came on last year towards the end of things. I, I think he's going to be a special player. Man, with him and Averill and Bennett and, man, if they get, like, Vernon Butler in the draft or oh, just somebody on the inside like that and mm-hmm. paired up with Jordan Hill and just all oh, the – this defense is going to be awesome. 
So it's going to be a good year. So with just a few days leading up to the draft, where are you leaning? Are, are you thinking offensive line or defensive line in round one? Man, I saw a little bit of Spriggs in the senior bowl. Yeah. Dude, he locked up his dude every time. Yeah. I want Spriggs so bad. <laughs> I do. I, yeah. I want Jason Spriggs so bad at the end of the first round. There's so many good D linemen, so many good ones, that there's going to be a lot of great ones in the second, third round. And Whereas there, it seems like there's a drop-off for linemen kind of toward the the start of the second round, right? Yeah, for offensive linemen. Right, right. Yeah. For guys yeah. that could potentially be you know, starters right away. Day one starters, yeah, yeah ineffective. And, I, yeah, I want Spriggs in the first round, man. I want a couple defensive players in the next couple rounds. And then just do what you do, Schneider. After that, I don't care. Yeah, get all the get all those stud future guys in the in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Yeah, but the the big thing is, is the rumor I heard the other day is that uh, you know they've been fielding a lot of calls uh, for teams wanting to 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 trade into the first round. You know, another first round pick. So it's like, but the thing is with writings on the wall, right? Well, let's say let's say Denver wants to trade a, f- a few spots to get their guy. That would be all right. That just puts them toward the the very end of the first round, or even if the Browns make a trade, right? Because now they have all those picks. Maybe they want to trade back into the first round uh, to get some guy there toward the end. Uh, they have the first pick of the second round. That's still like a first round guy. So they, they could still get one of those premium offensive linemen or, or premium defensive linemen toward that part of the draft by moving back a couple spots and picking up or, another fifth or sixth or fourth rounder. Oh, was, or in that trade, you get the fifth, sixth, extra fifth, sixth rounder for this year, and you get a high round pick for the next year. That doesn't do us any good this year. No, it doesn't. But then you have you have more guys to play with. I mean, Look, you, got, I, you have nine picks in this draft, and next year you're looking at probably the same amount with the compensatory picks too, right? So it's it gives you some flexibility if you want to maybe trade up, you know, like they did this last year uh, when they got Lockett by sending a bunch of their picks to Washington, that you have that flexibility to move up and get a guy like that. Man, I just want Spriggs. <laughs> That's it, <man. laughs> That's it. That's it. I just want Spriggs. I want a good offensive lineman. I think he's it. I think he fits the mold. I think he'd be a great fit with the Seahawks, man. Because I don't know about you, Brandon, but going into last year with all the drama and everything that was going on and just there was a little bit, there's that you have that little bit of a gut feel, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just and coming off the Super Bowl loss and all that, it's like, man, it's just, it just didn't feel like we. It was just going to be a hard year. It yeah. just, you just, you just had that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know what it is, Brandon, but this year it feels good, doesn't it? This feels so much like after the Atlanta loss, yeah, and you know, leading into twenty twelve, man, or twenty thirteen. Like, I just, I have such a good vibe about this team this year, like. Just think about all of it, like with Clemens and Browner yeah. coming back, and like it feels Cam like the 2013 unhappy. vibe. We all had that vibe going into that season. We started the podcast going into that season. Yeah, we were excited. <laughs> I just have a, such a good vibe about this team, and I think we're just one offensive lineman away from having that dominant team that can really just wax the rest of the NFC this year and make another run at a Super Bowl. I want that lineman in the draft. I don't want to trade back. I, I just let's add to this amazing momentum that's going here, man, because this offseason's feeling so much better. I like it. Well, with that, I say we uh, we get to the break and come back with some do better and better life, Adam. I like it, man.
Welcome back to the Seahawkers podcast, the official podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks. Coming up toward the end of the week, Adam, we're going to be we're going to be watching draft day together in Missoula uh, mm-hmm. at the Montana Seahawkers uh, draft day party. This is that'll exciting. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll be fun. Uh, I'll, I think I'll drink or break my no drinking uh, policy for draft day. Oh, that's a good time to do it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that'll be good. It'll be fun. Uh, I'll be able to see all my quarterback predictions come true or pan the teams for drafting the ones that are stupid. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It's going to be a fun draft. We, we talked about Vernon Adams and Carson Wentz in the first half of the show. And Adams, uh, he actually has a take on this. He says, draft me before every quarterback except Carson Wentz. Huh. Not, not too many guys you see quarterbacks say, you know, I'm the best quarterback in the draft. Adams is saying, uh, Wentz first, and, and then I'll, I'll be number two. Well, maybe he just wants the, all the pressure of the number one to be on somebody else and then he can come in as number two and be awesome. There you go. Okay. That, it's, he, he's sneaky, that's a sneaky smart. That's a sneaky tactic. That's, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, uh, and he looks humble in the process, right? Right, right. Yeah, look at that guy. So one cool thing, uh, we're now in Google Play Music, Adam. So anybody, if if you're a listener of the oh, show, cool. you have a friend who has an Android phone. Um, it's not on the iOS uh, Google Play Music, but if if folks that have Android phones, uh, go tell them to go to Google Play Music and check out Seahawkers podcast. You can listen to the show through there now. That's really cool. I didn't know that that was even a possibility. So. Yeah, it's, it just awesome. uh, it just came out here this last week or so. So yeah, uh, just another way to listen to the show. Yeah, you bet. Hey, you know, another way you can listen to it, you can download the app, the Seahawkers podcast app. It is free. It's people. free. It's on iOS. It's on Android. It's on Kindle. Uh, I, I still don't think we have a, a Windows phone app yet, but I think they're, you know, we're on the podcast apps for Windows phone. The one thing that I want them to add to our app is the ability to use uh, the Google Chromecast with it. Oh. So you can toss it up. And listen to it over your your speakers. Well, you can just go to SeahawkersPodcast.com and and play it right through there. And you can Chromecast it that way. Don't bother me with your facts, logic, and reason, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) That makes way too much sense. You're right. But it is cool. And uh, if you download the app, be sure to review it. Go through, you know, toss up a review. Tell us what you think about. Yeah, it. we That'd got some, we we have some reviews, and that's really uh, really cool to see to go and uh, and read yeah. some of those reviews on the app as well. So, yes, thanks to those folks that listen, and uh, yeah, tell your friends. Google Play Music, check it out. You and can also review the show on iTunes. You That'd could. Be cool. That, that, it helps it helps people find the show. You know, don't mess around with that. The, the podcastawards.com. That's where we want to send people right now because we're in the okay. nominating window, Adam. Podcastawards.com. Right. You know, go to the sports and recreation section, put in the Seahawkers podcast, seahawkerspodcast.com for the URL. Put in your name, put in the email, and, and let them know that you're a podcast listener. Hit submit. That's all you got to do. It's super easy. Done and done. Yeah. It's a little antiquated, the site, but you can get it done. It's easy to do. Well, they are kind of taking donations to kind of update the site, too. Okay, can uh, I just, can I comment on that you, just you quickly? Can, sure. They want twenty five grand to update their website. That's, it seems like a lot, doesn't it? That's a joke show. Well, that's Our website looks better, and I promise you we didn't spend twenty five grand on it. Well, there are some technical aspects to a voting site, because you want to be able to filter out those people that try and, you know, sure. stack the vote. It doesn't cost twenty five grand. I promise you that. Yeah, somebody's looking to keep getting them checks somewhere. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, I that that number seemed a little bit high to me, but uh, I you know there's enough of the, us techie podcaster nerds that could probably band together and, and build a pretty decent website too. There's somebody. 
There's somebody out there. You can't you can't convince me that that's not. The and the other thing too, I heard him talking about it. The the trophies because there's a, a ten dollar registration fee to get your your show into the running for the podcast awards, and right. that seems reasonable because you don't want a show winning that isn't going to show up and accept the the trophy like any of yeah. the NPR podcasts that, that have been nominated over the years and won. So you want people to accept the award. The the tro- I heard him talking about the trophies. These are like five hundred dollar trophies that they give away. I I don't need a trophy. Uh, put that toward, you know, keeping things going, uh, because yeah, those people need to do work and and keep the awards running. I just, I I just want to win. I don't need how many $500 trophies are you handing out? Hand out a $5 trophy. I don't give a crap what the trophy looks like. Just as long as I can put it on top of my fridge and be like, look, I'm a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't even need the trophy. I I just want want people to know that I'm a winner. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And I want to compete. See, there we go. Exactly. Always compete. Podcastawards.com. Okay, so uh, a couple folks that we want to welcome to the flock, Adam, and that's Tom yeah. Brooks and Mark Burrell, two guys that vote uh, that uh, are contributing to the show through Patreon at uh, getintheflock.com. Uh, so yeah, thanks to Tom and Mark. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And it, there's a way we can get all these folks stickers, right? We do. Yeah, I, I have them. I have the okay. stickers and I'm sending right. them out. I, I actually have the, uh, I just started addressing the envelopes. So that's, I'm to that point in the process. That's a good step. That's a good step. That's awesome, man. Hey, it, it takes me a while, but uh, like it just took a, when did we get on Patreon? Like six months ago. And I yeah. just now got the stickers. So this is, it's a process. It's a process. I'll get there. Everybody yeah. who signed up, you're going to get your sticker. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes us a little time. Yeah. Or I mean you, because <laughs> I don't do catfish. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's uh yeah. that's part of the teamwork uh that yeah. we have, you know. Right, right. I, I do stuff doing and, everything. and you don't. Yeah. But exactly. <laughs> teamwork. Uh I think we had a couple emails, right? We I did have a couple emails. Right quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, also I wanted to say congrats to one of our our Patreon donors, Elias Barza, who she was yeah. the winner of uh so we had the the t-shirts made, the the Seahawkers podcast t-shirts, DCH uh made those up and and we did the the yeah. t-shirt thing. Well, since we hit our goal of 25 or more shirts, uh, we picked Ellie's name out of the hat, and she got the Richard Sherman uh, action figure uh, that, cool. I, that I just sent. She should probably be getting that tomorrow. So I can't wait to see the shirts. You're going to bring them down on Thursday. So. Yes. Yes, you will yeah. have your shirt. Yeah. DCH had actually messaged me, and I totally forgot to message him back. So, no, I haven't gotten it yet, but I, I will. I yeah. am getting my shirt. Thursday. All right. Uh, yes, some comments here. This one came in through the Facebook page, Paul Martin. And uh, I had to hold on to this one because we were running a bit too long on the last show. But uh, we had called out about UFO sightings, and, and Paul had a response. <laughs> yes. He said, great show again this week. And in response to your request for UFO stories, here is mine. As a kid, I used to look out of my bedroom window at night as I had a good view of the river and the city on the other side. I also used to like watching the airplanes flying up and down uh, the river uh, from the training base nearby. One night, I was looking at at an orange light in the sky that was hovering over the city. I thought it was a helicopter at first. After a minute or two, it then went went vertically uh, at a speed that was unreal and disappeared. Personally, I I don't think it was aliens. It might have been uh, more likely something from one of the military bases. There There are a few in the area. Uh, I mentioned this at a family gathering a couple of years ago, and one of my sisters-in-law said she was so relieved I had uh, told what I had seen, as she had also seen the same thing, but was too scared to say in case she got laughed at. Our sightings were many years apart. Uh, I've tried to Google search it, but found nothing. 
Really? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I wonder, maybe that has to do with that Harper Ray in Alaska where they like actually push up sections of the atmosphere with like radio waves and crap. I don't, I don't think I know about this. Oh, look that up. That's scary as, as all, all hell. That actually exists. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I'll, I, maybe I will look that up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's just for research. It's not a problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they tell us. So I'm sure it's all okay. Here's one from Ann Bradley says, hi, guys. Love the podcast. It passes the time on my long drive to work, and I really look forward to each new episode. I'm over in the UK and just wondered if you've heard any news on Ricardo Lockett. How is his recovery going, and is he likely to be back playing next season? Keep up the good work and go Hawks. Now, we haven't talked a whole lot of injury updates this offseason. And, you know, with Thomas Rawls, it uh, looks like he's recovering. With Jimmy Graham, you know, it, it looks like he's coming along. We've heard from Schneider and Carroll on those guys. Ricardo Lockett, though, uh, it doesn't seem so sure that he could be back next season. We did see him. Uh, they had the Wee Day Seattle here this last week. Uh, Lockett did show up. And uh, it, it looked like he was out of his neck brace, which yeah. was good. Uh, but it sounds like he has a significantly uh, longer road of rehab ahead of him to try and get back into the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't I don't anticipate him playing next year, and I hope he doesn't. I hope he takes a full year and just be so extra sure that he's completely, entirely healthy right. before risking that again. Yeah. And, but he is on the mend, and I mean, it sounds like as far as quality of life for him – if he doesn't play football, um, he's on track to being, you know, right as rain. So, yeah. Uh, really rooting for him. But yeah, appreciate Anne uh, emailing in the question. It's been a while since we heard from her. So, yeah, that yeah, was cool. definitely. Yeah. And he's a guy that we hope to be back for sure. But after a scary injury like that, it, it you know, most guys, they'll tell I'd you. retire, man. There's no way. Yeah, he just sounded like he's he's leaving open the possibility that he could come back. But I think he's being realistic with the idea that that might have been his last time on the field. Yeah, I, I think so. All right. Well, what do you say we get into some do better and better life, Adam? All right, man. Uh, do you want to go first, do better? I'll go and do better because mine, I don't know if you saw this story about Tiger Woods uh, here on ESPN.com no. here recently, but it really... It, a very long article on kind of the decline of Tiger Woods and, and really relating it to Tiger Woods and his father and, and kind of how uh, Tiger Woods got into hanging out with special forces. Like his dad took him on a, on a trip to, to visit the green berets and he got mm -hmm. to uh, kind of see what they do. Cause his dad was a green beret. Right. And, and so he kind of, he was, uh, it talks about how Tiger, thinks that he had the two paths in life and that was to be a, a great golfer or to go in and be like special forces. Those were his two paths. Those were the two, huh? Those were the two. <laughs> I, like, that's like, oh, I'm either going to make cupcakes or be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I mean, those are, those are very different paths. Okay. Right. And, uh, and, but so he, he, once his father passed, he, he still had this connection uh, with special forces and particularly the Navy SEALs and going through and just talking about how he was he would go and he would you know jump out of airplanes with him. And his his uh, swing coach was concerned about you know, him hurting himself from doing all these types of activities. And, you know, he actually got into go into places where the Navy SEALs train that most civilians don't get to go. Mm. And but the one story that came out of this and uh, it's the story of of this lunch. Um, 
And and it's apparently spread throughout the the special warfare community, according to this ESPN article. Mm. ESPN article. Uh, It says, guys still tell it almost a decade later, Tiger and a group of five or six went down to a dinner uh, in La Posta. This is the the area where they train. uh, I think it's east of San Diego. Okay. Uh, The waitress brought the check and and the table went silent, according to two people that were there. Uh, Nobody said anything and neither did Tiger. And the other guys uh, sort of looked at one another, it says. Finally, one of the seals said, separate checks, please. And, and one of the seals says, we were all baffled. Uh, one Navy SEAL said, a veteran of numerous combat deployments. We were sitting there with Tiger Bleeping Woods, who probably makes more than all of us combined in a day. He's shooting our ammo, taking our time. He's a weird bleeping guy. That's weird bleep. Something's wrong with you. And so... He wouldn't pick up the check? He wouldn't pick up the check. But here's the here's the do better for me, Adam. Like, if you're a Navy SEAL, like, how how do you come out and say separate checks? Like, who was the who was the SEAL that said separate checks? Well, it has to be the commander. Well, you're you're gonna tell you're gonna tell the waitress. Here's the thing. If if you have the mental toughness to make it through buds, to become a SEAL, you you don't you and you don't have the stones to look tiger in the eye and say, "Dude, you got this, right?" Like to me, that that's how do you not do that? <laughs> well, I'm going to let the Navy SEALs off the hook in this place because <laughs> look, man, you should never have to be like, "Dude, you're buying me dinner, right?" Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a, there's like there's an etiquette there. Like, no. you know, I I mean, in an honor thing, right? Like, I don't know that you can do that. But Tiger Eldridge, stop being so dang cheap. <laughs> do better. No, no, I, I was uh, definitely kidding about the seals. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> but still, I mean, come on, Tiger, yeah. Tiger, you got to pick come up the check, man. dude. Do maybe, better. Maybe, maybe he's still broke after his divorce. Like he, maybe she took him. From he's him. notoriously cheap from from all oh, accounts. Really? Yeah, oh. like not a guy who who tips valets. Not a guy who you know. If you're, I mean, if you're that in that position. Yeah, be generous. You have to be generous. Yeah, well, maybe that's why he was banging Waffle House wait- waitresses. Cause that's for, where for, he, for the free meal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to pay for this, right? <laughs> right. My, my $4 sandwich. Yeah. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't yeah. be bothered. My moon's over my hammy. Yeah. <laughs> that's Denny's. Don't give Denny's a bad name. <laughs> I thought it was a Denny's waitress. No, it's a, it was Waffle House, man. Oh. oh. I think. I don't know. It sounds better when you say Waffle House. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy, man. Well, yeah. my do better is more NFL related. It is for the Carolina Panthers. And it's a big story. I'm sure you all saw it. The Carolina Panthers rescinded the franchise tag they had placed on Josh Norman and let him go be a free agent. And lo and behold, he signs a big contract with the Washington Redskins. Baffling. Baffling move to me. Arguably one of the arguably the top corner in the NFL. I'd say he's top three, right? Sure. Yeah, I think How that's often fair. do you come across that kind of talent who's relatively young? I know he's in his late 20s, but he had limited wear and tear on his body. He didn't really break into the league and make his name till later on in his career. And the Carolina Panthers take a transcendent talent coming off of one of their most historic seasons that they've ever had as a franchise, and they say, meh can't be bothered and this isn't a team that's stacked at corner either there were a, this no. was a team that brought in charles peanut tillman from the bears 
to to fill out their roster. They brought in uh, Qu- Cortland Finnegan. Finnegan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if you if you see Janoris Jenkins get, what was it, $16 million a year, something right. like that, for yeah. the Giants, yeah. Josh Norman's worth at least that. Yeah. And I'm sure he's asking for the biggest contract. Yeah, because that's how it goes. The cap goes up every year. Look, I've never seen an organization take a homegrown top three corner in his prime and tell him to beat the streets. Yeah. It makes like, me wonder I, if there's something else going on, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you wonder that? I Maybe. Like, I don't is there know. Is there a suspension coming that potentially? I I. I don't think the Redskins give him a giant contract if that's the case. Yeah, it just seems awfully weird because it's they say it was for cap reasons, but they're no. they're now under like thirty one mil under the cap uh after cutting him. So they had plenty of room to keep keep him on as a franchise under the franchise tag for one year. Why not do that? Yeah. Yeah, well, worst case scenario or why not trade him on that franchise cap number? There's a lot of people that pay that number for him this year yeah. as a one year deal. And they just trade him, like get something in return. Instead, they just washed their hands of it, lost a top tier guy, didn't get anything in return. And now they're remarkably thin in their defensive backfield. It's a horrendous move. This was a giant mistake. Gettleman lost his mind. He got in a catfish measuring contest <laughs> with Josh Norman and lost. So to the Panthers organization, their GM Gettleman, do better. Yeah, that was strange. I did they have him under the exclusive franchise tag so nobody could deal with him because it, had you put the franchise tag on him that allows other clubs to to make an offer or or give you what is it two first round picks? Right. I wonder right. if other teams would have considered that. Somebody might have. Yeah. Somebody might have. I'm just I am baffled. I am absolutely baffled. The other thing that I'm baffled at is how the Jaguars didn't pick him up. Yeah, that seemed like a, a Jaguars move right there. Oh, man. They have all the cap room in the world. Gus yeah. Bradley's a defensive guy. You think he wants a lockdown corner? Yes, please. Right. That makes their team a lot better. I wonder if Washington just you know made him an offer and, and said, you know, and that was good for him. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to face Odell Beckham twice a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to get real fun, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, Washington, they have uh, the old, uh, their GM, the old uh, Seahawks guy, right? Scott McLuhan. Scott McLuhan, yeah. yeah. Uh, g- good job, Scott McLuhan. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure Dan Snyder was super excited to spend big money on a free agent. Yeah, he hasn't like, done I'm that sure, in a while. I, I'm sure, he, yeah, he hasn't been able to do that for a long time. I'm sure it felt good. He scratched that itch, <laughs> you know? You know, speaking of something that kind of scratches the itch, the the new Ghostbusters movie. This is my better life. I I went and saw Batman versus Superman uh, here recently and saw the trailer for the new Ghostbusters okay? movie. Are you okay after the Batman Superman thing? I've heard it's abysmal. It was okay. The the you know I don't care about the. It's a superhero movie. What what else do you expect? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've seen a couple of Batman movies with. Uh, uh, Christian Bale, they were good. Like they were good movies. Ben Affleck, know? my favorite Batman in a while. Like really? Legit, well, so I like the kind of the old. This was the older Batman, like um, you know, Batman in his forties type. You know, oh, had, okay. had gone through everything. See, he 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 was done with all of the the fighting crime, and now uh, to take down Superman was kind of his. He saw this as his kind of legacy as Batman. Oh, um, and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's an interesting 
it's a different sort of Batman than I think that we're used to seeing oh. in, in all the previous movies. And I, I liked it. And I, yeah. I like I like Ben Affleck anyway, but but you saw but you saw Ghostbusters, but the Ghostbusters trailer. This was it probably got me more excited than the actual uh, the Batman movie. Um, you know, you have uh, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy and okay. uh, uh, Kate uh, the from uh, Saturday Night Live. A lot of Saturday Night Live characters, okay, uh, as the new Ghostbusters team. Okay, I, I think it's going to be pretty funny. And and just the fact okay. that they're that thirty years later they're able to as, assemble a crew that, that could potentially rival you know a, a, talk about an eighties movie you know from our childhood that yeah uh, it's, a, it's an iconic classic yeah, yeah. It, it you know it, it means something to us and now it's kind of like Star Wars you, you now you have you come around and you're able to start showing your kids like the movies that you enjoyed as a kid and so you have Star Wars you know the 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 early star Wars movies. And now to have episode seven to be one, you know, I could take my kids to and kind of, yeah, enjoy together. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's what this is going to be with Ghostbusters. So I'm excited. And and for the fact of assembling it again and and putting together a movie that, that really has me excited better at life than skip Bayless. I'm on board with you on everything except for Melissa McCarthy. That woman annoys the crap out of me. Oh, I can't stand her. Did you ever see... um, It's because she plays such a caricature. I I just... I don't like it. I I don't know if it's... She always just kind of plays a raunchy uh, type character. I don't know. It's funny to me. Like, Yeah, a lot of people like it. She she just annoys the crap. uh, The movie she did with Sandra Bullock. Uh, where where there were the two cops, like Sandra Bullock was FBI. Oh God! Oh, yeah. that was so bad. <laughs> I I laughed my butt off in that movie, Adam. Oh God! Oh, that woman stinks. Oh, I like Sandra Bullock too. Well, everybody likes Sandra Bullock. Yeah, she, she's like she's like the new Meg Ryan. Like everybody loved Meg Ryan. Well, until she's she always been. Nah, hundred percent. I watch any Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah, absolutely. I need to go back and watch The Net. Remember that movie? Wow. There's the Wayback <laughs> Machine right there. I did enjoy that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, My Better at Life is a little short and sweet. Uh, it's for a man who had his birthday just two days ago. He turned 30. Ah, yes. Um, but, you know, within that time, is out doing some good, too. This is for Marshawn Beast Mode Lynch. And I saw a picture. I don't know why. And I don't know exactly where or, or how long he was there. He's just helping building some houses in Haiti. Yeah. Just yeah, goes he, to Haiti and helps people build houses. That's what Beast Mode's doing in retirement. That's awesome, man. Better life than Skip Bayless. Easy. Love Beast Mode. Yeah. I can put Beast Mode up every week. I think we could find a reason to, to have him as better at life just about any show. I want to ask you a serious question. Okay. What What are the odds that Beast unretires and plays this year? For Seattle? Yeah. Can, like, can we make it happen? Oh, I'm sure we could. <laughs> but what, what do you what do you think? What do you do you think? Do you think it's in the back of his mind? Do you think that he gets through, like, because every player talks about that, right? Where like training camp starts and they kind of get the itch, yeah. And, like things start happening. Do you yeah. think that happens for him? Do I, you think? Do you think we could be seeing another year of Marshawn? Well, I guess the thing that makes me kind of curious is you see you see guys coming back on the defensive side, right? Mm-hmm. And you see Browner coming back. You exactly. see Chris Clemens come back. It's like getting the the guys back from the Super Bowl season. Yo, but like you're telling me, Marshawn's not going to be there for let's like 
you know, that's like getting, you know, some iconic band, you know, like getting if say the Rolling Stones break up mm-hmm. and they get the, the band back together, but they don't have, you know, like Keith. Yeah. yeah. Like what one of the main yeah, yeah main yeah. dudes. Yeah. Like what it, it doesn't seem like is the band really I just back want together? It to happen. I just want it to happen. <laughs> I thought maybe if I put it out there it might just come true. Uh-huh. Like that's all. I you have me intrigued by the by the possibility. I just, I just got to thinking about it the other day. Yeah. Know? I was I, out on a long run and like, you know. I don't I think just, he's coming back, but I'll, I'll subscribe <laughs> to your newsletter, though. You have me intrigued. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I think with that. There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.